Welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is writer and actress Danny Fernandez. You may recognize her voice from Ralph Breaks the Internet, or you may recognize her writing from Netflix and HBO Max. Um, Danny and I ended up talking a lot about mental health in this episode, which I think is very important. And uh, I think you're going to like it. Check it out. Um, hey, Danny, how are you? Hi, I am better now that I'm here talking with you. <laughs> Good, good. Um, I'm so glad I uh, got you today. Um, I guess I'm just going to jump right into it. You're are you from Texas? You are, right? Um, Yeah, I spent like a good portion of my life in Texas. So it's kind of hard. I have a lot of family in San Antonio. I have a lot of family that's from San Antonio. Mm -hmm. But I actually went to high school in Frisco, Texas. And then I went to college in Austin. So I moved there when I was like 12 or 13. And I spent... Mm -hmm my teenage years there and then my college years there and so and then after college and so those are kind of like the memories you remember the most if that makes yeah. sense like I don't remember Absolutely. as much of, of my childhood as I do like middle school high school college and so that's kind of I also say y'all and <laughs> have like I don't know I think Texas shaped shaped me so I feel like that's yeah. where it's hard to pinpoint it though because a lot of my family like both of my parents met they met in San Diego got married in San Diego their families in San Diego and so like that's another portion of me but I would say yeah I know a lot more about Texas than I do probably a lot of Southern California I feel like wherever you spend your formative years yep. is where where is really home 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 yeah. you know because like you said that is what shapes you when you were growing up did you know you want to go into entertainment no, but like there were inklings of it because I was a dancer and I feel like that's so performative. Like I just was yeah. performing. My parents put me in dance classes and I was on our drill team in high school and that definitely prepares you for performing. It was like red yeah. lips, huge <laughs> smile, like halftime at the football games and like high kicks and just like competitions. And so a lot of that is entertainment and so I guess uh, absolutely yeah so that and then when I was in high school I was published in like teen magazine for writing poems I was like so angsty I love it <laughs> and so like I was technically published a published author when I was like a teenager and I can't even look at some of those poems now they're just so of course <laughs> of course I've saved all of my old journals and notes and things and I'll, sometimes I'll peak you know mm -hmm. out of curiosity and I'm like oh no no this is so bad <laughs> yes mine reminds me of like in meet the Fockers or meet the parents or whatever when it was like these three things we pray to see thee more dearly like that was like how <laughs> my rhyme scheme was uh that I would just like all my poems were rhyming like that and so um but yeah I, I always wanted to be a writer as well so mm-hmm I think I would have continued to write even if I didn't choose it as a profession. Is that what you studied in college? In college, I actually applied to UT's journalism program and I didn't get mm -hmm. in. And I was like, so I was pre-journalism, uh, but they only take so many people in their actual broadcast journalism program. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to be on camera and they were like, no. So I actually, <laughs> dro I actually dropped out 
um, they're like, you're more, you have a face meant for web or something like, I don't know. Like they, they didn't, they didn't let me into the, but like one of my girlfriends made it in. And so she's an anchor now. And I honestly think I wasn't meant for that because I feel they can't necessarily be their full selves online. If that makes sense. You're representing like ABC news. And whereas me, I'm like, tweeting dick jokes and things and (laughs) and also serious things about like trauma or whatever but I'm I'm not beholden to anybody and uh so I actually ended up being a kinesiology major because I loved again like fitness and sports and dance and I wanted to work with athletes and so that's what I did for several years of my life before writing like called me back was it just like was it just your day job and you were writing on the side or how did you make that transition um I found Twitter when I was in college and would write like dumb jokes about my professors and stuff on there and I started Mm -hmm. to develop a following but my boyfriend was really jealous of how much time I spent on social media uh, because it was still like new at the time yeah. and it was weird to be on social media a lot, uh, especially in Texas where like people are out and about and doing real life things and uh, not in the entertainment industry. And so I deleted it. I like built a following, deleted it. And then I was going through a rough patch and like a severe depressive spiral and I like re-downloaded it because that's what you do when you're sad absolutely absolutely (laughs) hop online immediately (laughs) and I started writing depression jokes which I still do to this day and a lot of comedians followed me and uh, one was Roy Wood Jr. who I actually met when I lived in Denver I moved to Denver for like a year and he was at Denver Comedy Works and um, he's the funniest person yeah yeah I can't handle it he and I partnered for this pilot that I sold. Um, he's the EP on it. He like just, he's the reason it sold. Like he believed in it. He read it and he was like, why aren't you trying to make this? And he changed my life. But um, so we met like seven or eight years ago and he just was like, you're funny. And a bunch of other comedians, like some of them, some of them DM me are like, are you okay? <laughs> you know, they were like, one, you're funny. Two, are you okay? Like, you're, this is yeah. really rough. Some of the stuff that you're joking about. Um, but I realized one of them said, like, you will regret, like, you like writing. Um, you'll regret you're young. Like, you'll regret if you never try to pursue writing. Absolutely. And so I moved out here. One of the things that I learned was somebody said, anyone who has promised you anything, it will not be here when you come out here. And that was like the best (laughs) advice I'd ever learned. I wish I had heard that. (laughs) Dude, we all deal with it where someone's like, oh, come out here. Like I can get you an assistant job or I'll get you this PA job. And like those people suddenly ghost you. Like, yeah, I moved out here and I thought like, oh, I, you know, I'll be an assistant. I'll grab people coffee. No, those are the most wanted jobs in this industry. Everyone wants to be a PA. Everyone wants to be a writer's assistant. Everyone wants to break in. And so I was really lucky that I got a job at the Ice House Comedy Club working the door because I literally drove to Pasadena and handed them my resume in person. I just wanted them to Uh, see me. It's like you have to do that extra thing just to get like a a day job yeah they had like posted on craigslist and i saw it for some reason like the first week that i was here and i was just like i had barely any money saved up and it definitely goes really quickly here it's so expensive and so anyways that was that was a blessing a lot of good things came from that job aside from like meeting a bunch of other people in comedy yeah what um how long have you been in la now i think seven years 
I think it'll be nice. eight in October. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, and I obviously I don't know you well. I know you mostly from online, um, entirely from online. <laughs> uh, it, my perspective is like, you're, you just can't stop succeeding. Like, <laughs> and I know that there's a lot of struggle involved with that. Um, but outwardly, I'm like, what you for seven years, I'm like, you are absolutely killing it. Like, what are some of your favorite successes you've had in LA? Um, my uh, definitely being a Disney character was the turning moment where I was like, this doesn't happen to everyone. Like yeah. this has to be, there's so many times, countless times where I've wanted to give up, where I've, you know, like I've said, I've dealt, I deal with depression, still deal with depression, mm -hmm. still in trauma treatment. Like I'm pretty open about those. And it just, Will Smith said something and he was like, you can't out achieve childhood trauma. And that's how I feel. So Ooh. I think the reason why it's like, Danny doesn't stop is because, I'm trying to like outrun that, if that makes yes, sense. And all the people who didn't sense. believe in me, including when I was growing up and all the bullying and like so many times that I, I, I had my first suicide attempt when I was like 13 and that's, Fuck. yeah. And it was just like, I, I've done so much work, you know, to one, I also just want to say an aside, like Latina teens have some of the highest suicide rates. It's like not talked about enough. Um, oh my goodness. And I, I don't know, like I just dealt with so much trauma that when I finally got a foot in the door, I was like, oh, you're not taking this away from, <laughs> you're not taking this away from me. <laughs> yeah, and you're so, gonna have to physically throw me out. <laughs> yeah, and so when I got the thing with Disney, it was like, and I got to be animated and play myself and be like, hey, I'm Danny Fernandez, like in a Walt Disney film that was, ended up being nominated for like an Academy Award. I was just like, this doesn't happen to people, like to everyone. Like, I feel this is Absolutely. the universe trying to tell me like, as rough as it gets and as dark as it gets, you are meant to be here. And yeah. so that was probably one of the biggest ones. Um, and then selling my show, I wrote a show about, um, I ended up having another attempt in my 20, in my mid 20s. And I wrote a show about like what happens when you're gifted another chance at life that you didn't want. <laughs> and that's the show that Roy found. And he read that script and he gave it to his manager and they're like, let's make this. And HBO Max bought it. And like, that was another thing. I remember sitting one day and being like, this just doesn't happen to people. This has to yeah. be a reason why I'm here. Absolutely. So. And it's also like everyone isn't dealing with the same demons or uh, the same troubles. Uh, but I think life feels difficult for everyone. Yes. For different reasons. Yes. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people make the mistake of like when you're struggling, you don't, they, and I don't mean like suicide, but I mean like when you're, when you're struggling, they don't push through for, towards like goals or other things they want because they think, well, this is, this is too hard. And it's, uh, I don't know if I'm articulating this very well, but it feels like life is going to be hard whether you're in entertainment or whether you're working at Target or whatever you're doing. So you may as well go after what you're passionate about. A hundred percent. I kept telling myself that before I moved out here. I was like, I can be poor here or I could be poor in Los Angeles, but I'm going to be <laughs> yes. poor. And so I was like, I might as well be poor in LA and like get to audition there and get to like, you know, and that's not always that's not for everyone i want to say this this town is definitely 
will eat you up and you have to have you have to have good friends like i found other other people in the trenches that's what people don't understand is i think they're always trying to like i want to be friends with jordan peele and ava and like yes of course but a lot of people want to be friends with them and they have their own friends that came up through the trenches with them a decade 15 years ago yes you know and so you need to be friends with people who are in the same position as you because you guys will end up rising together and slowly but surely my friends and I who were poor who were working um you know catering jobs I was a nanny I was a like name any job and that's I worked out here but like the friends that you meet that are also hustling and auditioning and submitting then they get a job and they recommend you and then you get a job and you recommend them and like you're slowly climbing up the ladder together absolutely there was when I first started stand-up an older comic told me he was like other comics will get you more work than any agent or yes. manager ever will. And I just, I just straight up didn't believe him. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, I just didn't. It took me a while to understand that. And it's like, oh, yeah, because people in the business are lazy. And so <laughs> if they cast you in something, they're going to be like, ah, Danny, do you have a friend that could do this other thing? I mean, that's not that's an oversimplification, but mm-hmm. it's I think when one person is talented people really take their word for it yes. that their friends and recommendations are talented that's true that's true i have done that as well for like comic con when i i used to go to comic con when i was little and it was like such a big deal to me and then i started to get on panels and people will be like oh danny do you have like a recommendation for this marvel panel someone that knows i'm like yeah and I was just talking to someone, they're like, every single person you've recommended has been amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna give you, it's my reputation, (laughs) I'm not gonna give you someone who's crap, (laughs) but also I know the people who show up, who keep showing up, who are hustling, you know, who are trying to break in. And so we see it, we see the people who flake and who, you know, kind of like who have flaked on me a bunch of times. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm gonna recommend the person who keeps showing up, who keeps, Uh, proving that they want this really bad and so um, yeah and I think that that's like I think people underestimate being reliable with their friends because it's like you know like yeah I'm I have a lot of friends that I care deeply about and I want to see succeed but if they're not putting in the time and effort then I'm like well then what why am I buying stock in this you know it's (laughs) it's just like you have to be reliable and be good and and also like be fun to work with you know that's true i think a lot of people like a deterrent for working in entertainment is a lot of people are like well you know it's it's all about who you know and it's like right but you can flip that and it can be a positive thing and it's once you have the keys yourself then you can bring your own friends in for your project and it's it's the most fun and satisfying thing to work with friends Mm -hmm. i also wanted to say going back to something you said earlier about like when Mm -hmm. people see when they're like in a really dark place and like dealing with success is that you really don't something that i realized is people you do not know what someone else is going through even if they're on camera even if they're on like whatever it looks like their life is really pretty me being out here and working amongst these people it's like no some of my friends that are on television have dealt with suicidal ideation some of them are crying like every day some of them have like massive chronic illness issues uh same with me i have two chronic illnesses and so it's just like you do not know and i think it's hard when you're in a heart in a dark place of like why is this happening to me this is only happening to me why can't this happen to this person absolutely you know this person on the red carpet i see blah 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 and it was like one of my I had a moment like that where I just found out Aaron Lim, who is a host at E, gorgeous, 
tiny, like, you know, she came out that she has Bell's palsy and she was talking about how she was having a lot of issues with her face and she had to get uh, work and acupuncture and have someone help her. And she was showing everyone like that her eyes don't close at the same, like she was just showing everyone on, in, on Insta. You would yeah. not know that seeing her on the red carpet and you would think like, oh, her life is so perfect, must be nice being Aaron. You know, that's yeah. not something I think because I've worked with her and I think she's sweet and adorable, but I imagine people see just her Absolutely. Instagram and you do not know what is happening in those people's lives. Um, and so I hope that that is helpful to people who, cause I'm that person a lot of the times when, when I was diagnosed, I was just like, why is this happening? Why can't it happen to this other person? Why, what did I do to deserve, you know, throwing up before an audition or having my hair fall out or like all of these things. And it's just like, like you said, suffering is inevitable. Everyone, no one gets out alive, you yes, know, no one gets absolutely. out of here alive. And, and it doesn't matter, you know, what you think you might know of them from following them on Instagram. You do not know some of the trauma that they've that they've gone through so there is such a weird thing too with you know social media is so great that it allows you to connect with people that enjoy your work but there's it takes away this barrier this like you know uh not real barrier yeah <laughs> uh where people think like oh i now i know you because i know like your right. persona and uh you don't it's so weird it's in in like i've definitely done that to people as well where like somebody I used to years ago I ran lights at Second City for a long time and I would like be doing technical direction for people's shows and then I would have these weird personal conversations with them like like I knew them I I can't think of a specific incident but I I remember feeling like oh I'm being such a weirdo right now like I don't (laughs) know I don't know them I think I know them because I see them all the time but I don't know this person (laughs) you know yeah I also think like me being on like on what I've noticed is like having a check mark or whatever like on Twitter people really do not think I'm a person yeah they don't think that I've suffered any trauma they don't and I I just was having this conversation with Christina Ariel who uh is an amazing actress and host and she was dealing she's the new host for Star Wars she was dealing with a lot of hate from a ton of people we were just talking about this that like people really do not see you as a person yeah and I kind of regret slash am slightly bitter that I have to talk about my trauma so much so people will root for me. Like, I think it's actually kind of sick that people are like, oh, shit, I forgot that she dealt with that. Well, never (laughs) mind. You know, it's like, you know, or else they just think you're this pretty face that gets handed everything. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's difficult. And um, I agree, but I, I definitely have noticed a trend of people just not treating humans like humans on on social media and awesome um all right we had a little technical Mm -hmm. issue there for a second what what was it like doing panel at comic-con i'm not i've never been i'm not in that world at all but it looks really exciting it is it's it's i like comic-cons because people are nice and you know i think a lot of fandoms get a reputation for being awful and a lot of those people would never say that to your face at comic-con so (laughs) i think it's a lot of nice like fans and everyone's really excited and so it is kind of wild because i went to comic-con for the first time i think i was 10 or 11 because again my family's in san diego and 
Um, I was going with my VHS tapes to get the Dragon Ball Z voice actors to sign them. Yes, and, I love. <laughs> and I that's like all the, that's the only reason I went. And then like a decade later, I ended up working for them, Funimation, who does the U.S. dub and release of DBZ. Uh, I ended up, they gave me my first ever hosting gig at Comic-Con and- um, Oh, that's so cool. So like came full circle for me. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just really, it's nice to be amongst fans. It's nice that people care about what I'm saying and that I have such like a history in that community that I can finally speak on a lot of those things. And it's also just nice to have a lot of people of color on those panels because I feel we've kind of been kept out of a lot of fandoms mm -hmm. for a really long time. And so it feels nice to just get to exist and geek out about those things. Yeah, it it is wild to think like, it, it's very nice to see the way stereotypes are being broken down. And it seems like it's, uh, it's very slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know, just that you were able to do what you you do and what other I'm not saying this very well I'm <laughs> like not articulating this very well at all um, but like there's nerd groups in every community mm -hmm. that's just there's all types of people in every community and I think people are realizing that more and honestly it's a big place for those brands to cash in too I mean that's true you know? yeah we kind of call it a media con now because it's like all the brands realize and I don't know I just remember they were like they were like promoting Kevin can wait and I'm like this should not be here <laughs> like because they know a lot of eyes like you know there's hundreds of thousands yeah. of people there and so um so like they'll rent out the side of a hotel like with uh -huh. a massive banner for like whatever's dropping on NBC that fall um and so it's just funny yeah. to me that like they don't even care anymore if it's like it's like something geeky. completely unrelated mm -hmm. yeah it yeah. does seem like I mean I have a curiosity but I've never I because I'm not in that world I haven't tried very hard to go because mm -hmm. I'm like it just seems like <laughs> like it's such a hard thing to get into you know yeah, um, it's a lot as of far work. As like the fest and stuff. Do you do other cons as well, or like other comic cons across the? Yeah, country? yeah. I've done a lot of uh, panels at WonderCon, and uh, I've also done uh, Anime Expo, and um, mostly at, oh New York Comic Con. I've hosted at New York Comic Con, and that's always fun. It also like rains every year, and so this mm -hmm. year they didn't get to have it because of COVID. But I remember the account, like the New York Comic Con account, tweeted and was like, "And it's not raining." <laughs> they were just like, "Cause we're always used to like being dressed up, and you have to like walk in the rain to the Javits yeah. Center." And um, this was like the one year it didn't rain, and they were like, "Of course, what? <laughs> we're of all course. indoors." <laughs> yeah. Um, how has it been participating in those things virtually? Is it well difficult we, to put together? Yeah, I mean, we're doing a lot of pre-taped stuff because, mm -hmm. as we've seen with all these award shows, it's a nightmare to do it live. And so we, a lot of our Comic Con panels, we pre-tape and then release it. So it's not the same because you're not. We have no audience and we have no one. We're not taking any questions and I don't even know how many people end up seeing it or if it resonates with them. So it's not quite yeah. the same. Yeah, it, I do find that I'm, I really miss the personal element of because I'm like, it's not it doesn't 
for me, I'm not just when I tell jokes, I'm like, I don't want you to just hear my joke. Yeah. I want it to be a transaction where like mm-hmm. I feel somebody's energy. You know, that's such a huge component of it that we're all missing quite a bit now. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel more satisfaction with writing or with performing or is it kind of split? Kind of, definitely performing. I feel writing, you get a lot of uh cred though like you get like oh she's intelligent she's a you know or whatever like so I feel mm-hmm. um kind of like that whole, yesterday everyone was tweeting about Lola Bunny and it was just like mm-hmm. we made her not sexy we made her strong and I'm like but I'm <laughs> both of those things but like yes. I feel if you're kind of marketed as sexy which I have done for myself just because I was bullied about my body so much when I was growing up that I decided you know, in this half of my life, I wanted to really celebrate it. Um, Also just seeing more women and women of color celebrating their bodies and it just, yeah. And so, um, but I feel a lot of people, a lot of men, a lot of men write me and be like, yeah, what do you do though? What do you do? Like I'll post a picture and they're like, what do you do? And so I'm like, well, I wrote for the show on Netflix about journalism. I wrote on this show for HBO Max. Uh, I've re- I've sold a show to HBO Max. I wrote in the Good Immigrant USA. Like like the, when they hear yeah. all your writing credits, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. It's so- and it's so ridiculous too because it's like what if you just what if you were like just i just hot? like posting pictures of myself you're not Eat allowed shit. you're no. not allowed but like at least by men you know and some women men but get like so mad i mm-hmm. think because they can't be as hot as women they're just like infuriated they're yeah. like well i have to tear you down somehow there has to be some way i'm superior to you yeah but that it's is like something that i that is something that i need to work on because one i shouldn't need to validate their response yes and two there are women who just do that and that's okay that's not me and i think for some reason i have this like need to prove myself to people which i shouldn't have but that is a problem with me that is not a problem with them if that's all that those women want to do that is fine um in fact i i applaud them and like for me though i feel it's as a television writer i want people to respect me as a writer for the work that i've done and i find it is difficult if i'm sexier posting thirst traps or whatever for people to appreciate that i'm multi-dimensional that i can do both of those things yeah it is a weird uh like block in people's brains for sure where they think like you can't be dynamic yeah for some reason it's like yeah i can do whatever i can do a lot of things Mm -hmm. try me (laughs) yeah um what's so your show that you just sold to hbo max that's that's the one i'm sorry i'm getting confused because we've talked about this a little bit before but that is the you're gonna be in that as well right yeah i actually can't talk about that show too much right now (laughs) um but um yeah I can't, I can't That's like. That's totally fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, there are like so many. Also the other two shows that I wrote on haven't even filmed. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that either, but uh, it's like all of these things that I've done the past two years since 2019, I feel like I have nothing to show for them. I don't even know yeah. when some of these shows are gonna come out. And so that's a little hard. Um, it even, does, it's really frustrating because you don't get that extra satisfaction. It's like, no, sure, you get the payday, but... Yeah, well, also, like, my IMDb is trash. I was talking to my showrunner <laughs> about this, Amy Chosick, because she created the last two shows that I wrote on, um, and 
she was like, yeah, the last thing it has me listed is this book I wrote like about Hillary Clinton, like in 2016 or something like, like she has no, like where she has sold and written like, you know, two huge shows uh, with Berlanti, with Berlanti Productions. And they, you know, may, they've done the Arrowverse, they've done you, they've done Riverdale, mm-hmm. like huge things. And she like, it's not listed on her thing at all because it's like, yeah. those haven't come out. And so, yeah, so it, we're kind of in this weird, thing right now and I just don't I feel currently I don't have anything to show for how much work I've done the last two years but it'll probably be it'll probably be like a Pixar movie you know they worked on Coco for six years and then when it comes out it's like oh my god and and, you know wins an Academy Award and all this stuff but like for six years you have nothing to show anybody and that's really hard yeah because and it's also going back to what you were saying like where you're trying to prove yourself to people i do that a lot as well i get really caught up in that it almost made for me it makes me feel panicked a little bit where i'm like i feel like i have to i need you to know that i'm fucking doing something right and i didn't just fall because i think that there's also this thing with people outside of entertainment where if they're not seeing you put things out regularly yep after a while they'll be like are you still doing your little uh thing whatever that is. And you're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yes, I'm still doing my little thing a lot every day, all the time. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for your interest. Yeah, I agree that it feels like we have <laughs> to constantly be creating and putting ourselves out though so, so people remember us. And so my hat goes off to my friends that have deleted social mm-hmm. media uh, who still manage to like work and write on shows because I don't think I would be able to. I don't know. I just feel like I need to be in people's heads for them to remember me yeah there is a component of that though that i think is not just in our imaginations you Mm -hmm. know because there are so many things where like i mean there's so many times where i've just emailed somebody just to say hi or whatever and they're like oh well you know what actually since you're here uh are you interested in this thing right it's just because i'm fresh in their mind and yeah and you know i agree um it so (laughs) i don't know if you have a story for this but in your career path is there something like a incident's not the right word but is there an event or something that happened along the way that felt either bad or insignificant at the time that ended up changing things for the better yeah i would say like not getting a job um i'm not gonna say what television show it was but um i was very upset that i didn't get staffed on the show because i personally feel like my little brother could write on that show and I was just like (laughs) a lot of fart jokes and well like you know very frat bro bro humor and I grew up watching that show and I know that show very well and I was very upset that they one they also hire a lot of their friends um but two I just was like I can't believe I could not get staffed I could not get staffed Mm -hmm. for the life of me I was so upset. I just made my own show. (laughs) I was like, I'm not, because the thing that people don't realize is a lot of times these staffing positions, they want you to have a couple years of experience. And that does Mm -hmm. not make sense. I will, I hope I never (laughs) do that. I hope when I have the ability to staff my shows, I do not, staff writers should not need experience. That's literally why you're a staff writer. Um, You shouldn't be a staff writer multiple years. I don't agree with that. I wasn't, I was a staff writer Mm -hmm. for one year. The next year on my next Berlanti show, they bumped me up to story editor. Like that is how it should be. 
there's no reason your writer's assistant needs to be there for multiple years no. unless you're just trying to hold them back in their career. And that is literally, I heard from a person, their showrunner uh, said that they he does not promote writer's assistants. He said, if you're what? hired, yep, yes. A prominent showrunner. Uh, who said, if you're hired as a writer's assistant, that's why you're hired. I did not hire you to be a writer. If I want, you know, you can leave and go be a writer mm -hmm. someone else. And it's so frustrating, right? That's so upsetting. Yeah. So anyways, I couldn't get staffed. And and some of my friends are dealing with that right at this very moment where they're like, I don't understand this. They want you to have two to three years of writing experience. And like, I'm, I'm, I have not been staffed before. Um, and <laughs> so I ended up putting all of that energy and free time into making my show that I ended up selling. So I made an entire pilot for the show. I wrote out like possible 10 uh, paragraph each for 10 possible episodes. I wrote out my character story arcs. I wrote, you know, I had my pilot ready to go mm -hmm. and I sold that show. And they bought the pilot, they bought my Bible and uh, I ended up getting staffed on uh, the Berlanti show I was talking about on Netflix. And they believed in me, they took a chance on me. And in fact, Amy who created the show was like, I don't want some, I don't always need someone that has a bunch of experience. Like I want someone with life experience. Yes, You know, absolutely. which I had when I came in, like my pilot was about trauma My and, estranged family and found family and the family making therapy, like all of these things. And so looking back, I am so glad I didn't get into that room. One, I don't know if I belonged there. I don't mm -hmm. know if they would have respected my voice as much, but I wouldn't have sold my show. I just know I would. I yeah. would have been exhausted and tired. I've been in writers' rooms. And by the end of the day, when you're getting home and it's dark and I don't want to work on my shit. I just want to lay no. on the couch and yeah. like, so I had all that time off to make my own show. And it is sad to me that it's easier to sell a show than it is to get staffed. It is so hard to get staffed. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. It's, it's truly insane, but it's also like selling a show is the bigger payday. It is. It is. You know? But but it's insane, and I just remember I was on a panel, and the showrunner was like, "Well, you know, you should be staffed before you sell a show. Like, you should you should have some experience." And I'm like, "I agree." However, they're making it so <laughs> damn hard, yeah. and these studios—it's not just the showrunner; it's a lot of times the studios they don't know. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times the studio because they have to sign off on you writing for the show that they're mm -hmm. producing, and so. It's a lot of times them. They're like, oh, we just went with a, a writer that has more experience. And um, so it, it just feels like a conundrum. And that's why yeah. a lot of times people's friends, they hire their friends. Like that's one of the ways that people get in. Um, and I didn't know anyone on my show that I ended up writing on. I was so lucky that they saw something in me. Um, or else I would have probably to this day never been staffed. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yes, so that is my, sometimes some things that make you really upset and angry and sad uh, end up fueling your future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a great lesson that you just you just keep going and keep doing your own thing. And it's kind of, for, when I do that, it's definitely a fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have the same, but I'm just like, all right, then fuck off. Then I'll make my own thing and it's going to be way better than that thing. And it's, I'm very spite driven. Um, <laughs> but I think that can work, you know. Um, and it is, it is so crazy that it's so hard to get staffed. And like you said, there is this catch 22 of like, mm -hmm. you have to have experience to get experience. And it's like, well, then how do you get experience 
Yeah. It's just such a ridiculous gatekeeper thing. Um, but I'm really excited for you. I'm excited that you uh, sold that and that you'll be working on that. Is there anything else you're working on right now that you're really excited about that you can talk about? Um, well, I can't really talk too much about my stuff, <laughs> but um, I just wrapped on writing on the HBO Max show that I was uh, got to write under with Amy, and I uh, am currently pitching a new show, and that I have also, it's very diverse, and I've written some of my friends. That is something I do. Again, it's a good thing to be good friends with people because I've written some of my friends into my show um, because I think that they, they're near and dear to my heart, and I also think that they deserve to be on screen and have mm-hmm. very... Um, interesting stories to tell so that is something and I don't know just auditioning just auditioning it's like a numbers game but um just like constantly trying to stay fresh so I don't get rusty yeah isn't it also the most satisfying thing to be able to give your friends jobs or Mm -hmm. to be able to like promote somebody it's like it feels as satisfying to me as getting work for myself you know oh totally yeah, and when I started to write more and act more, I couldn't uh, take a lot of the hosting gigs that I was doing. I've hosted for a lot of different places. So I got to recommend my friends, and that was nice because it made their life. Like, they were just so... I love seeing something that I might not necessarily... Something that I might have outgrown or I, I'm moving on to the next step that could be someone's mm-hmm. dream. Um, and so... So yeah, that's that's been great to see is like then all of a sudden they get in and then their goalposts, that's what I feel like is our goalposts are constantly moving. Um, yes. Because I don't know if you're like me, I was like, oh, I just want this job. I swear to God, if I just get this job and you get the job and you work there for a year and then you're like, okay, I just want this job higher up than this yes, job. Like absolutely. I just, I want to be the showrunner now. I'm ready to blah, blah, blah. I want to be the creator. I want to be the star. I want to, you know, and I just keep like moving my goalpost. And so- um, it's great getting to give jobs to the people who were like me. They're like, I just want to write on the show. And then and then slowly see them being like, okay, I want to create my own show. And so, um, yeah, it's like it a full is so circle. Nice. I enjoy that hunger, though. Um, I, re- I don't resent it. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, people that we look up to that are seemingly at the top of the mountain feel the same way, where they're like, all right, well, now I've done this. Can I win an award? Can I... Mm-hmm do this next milestone because there is so much out there that you can achieve so it's like why not go for all of it but you can't do it all at once you know i like too that like seth rogan who he went from like starring in things to producing things like Mm -hmm. the boys and preacher to he just said like he's been working on his passion project for a decade and released a weed line that means a lot to him that means a lot and the decriminalization of weed and like all of these things and so it's so fast, like his goalposts moved, you know, and what he yeah. was doing. Um, same with uh, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks went from like starring mm-hmm. in things to like, you know what? I think I'm, I've acted in a lot of things and now I want to direct and now she's directing. And so it's like, you know, you're, you're our goalposts once we achieve our goals. And it's like, well, I, ha- I still have like a lot of time left in this industry, <laughs> you know, yeah. is like exploring what else you can do and you know, Seth has made other people's dreams come true by casting yeah. them in the boys and by, you know, and so it's just like being able to give that gift to other people who are struggling or hustling or need their big break. Uh, I think yeah. it's really cool. I think it's so important too to lift up people that are 
overlooked a lot or Mm -hmm. that are new because like you said it's people don't want to take a chance on you and then it's like the second you're successful then everyone's at your door and they're like oh well how can i get you to do this thing and it's you know uh which i mean not that i'm like that successful where people are like knocking on my door all day but you know i've definitely had some people that passed me over that are now coming back around and it feels a little bit gross i don't love it (laughs) I don't love it, but then I'm like, I'm still excited for this opportunity. Thank you so much. It's true. <laughs> yeah. My um, Roy's manager, Norma mm-hmm. Lajum, uh, who is was is also producing my show, he said everyone is rushing to be number two. Like no one wants to be the number one, like the first person to take a chance on you. Yeah. Um, everyone's rushing. Same with like um, like Phoebe Waller Bridge and Fleabag. Yeah. Like now everyone wants Phoebe right but like who is going to be the first person to let her do that and break the fourth wall and like i wish more studios would let us take risks because you would see more stuff like that yeah i was like why is there no show like that i'm like it's not like she's the first person that came up with that (laughs) it's just that most studios are like "Mm, no can we i don't like this i don't like can you change this or Or people like won't believe in something until they've seen it yeah already done it's like like you were saying it's harder to sell a period piece i was reading this thing about Mad Men a while ago and it's I mean there's all these stories about shows that were shopped around everywhere they were told no everywhere and then they Mad Men ended up on AMC which was kind of like a bastard child at the time it Mm -hmm. was like what's this you know it's not like a big network I mean it's a big network but it's not you know it is now NBC yeah (laughs) exactly Um, and then it became a beloved show but it's like it just it just takes somebody with the right eye or taking a chance on something you know yeah yeah so i wish more studios would would do that uh we're still they're still not quite there i know because i work with them so they're still (laughs) it's still like i don't think i don't know if we should do i'm not really feeling this not really feeling this like she sees a ghost or there's a flashback or where like like anything that strays from the norm they don't really like and it's like why we could let's explore and see and see what we can make that's bizarre and weird and maybe people will talk about our show um so yeah i still think there's a lot of a lot of like the dampering down of um creatives so yeah absolutely um one last question for you if your childhood self could see you now like if 11 year old danny could see you and meet you what do you think she would think she'd be like why aren't you a vet i thought you were gonna be a vet you love animals I would be like, honey, it's because we found out we'd also have to put them down. Like, you don't <laughs> yeah. just get to pet them. Um, that's what I want. I was like, oh, I just want to rescue animals. And I'm like, oh, I have to put them to sleep? Oh, uh, never mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think she would think it was cool. I was involved in Disney. I still think that's cool. I still don't quite fathom it because I've also done a lot of other things with them aside from Ralph like I've hosted with Mm -hmm. them quite a bit and and done comic con panels for them and whatnot and so I was such a Disney baby still a Disney baby still have like literally behind me I have this my comic con framed oh I love it panel and this like official Ralph limited edition art from the movie and like I don't know I have a Coco guitar over here I have so yeah so I, I just grew up like a lot of us did in the 90s, like just mm-hmm. fully immersed in Disney. And I think the fact that I get to do stuff with them and hope to create stuff with them um, is really cool. And so I hope that she would think that that was cool. That's awesome. I love it. I love that you said 
<laughs> she'd wonder why you aren't a vet. It is the, also the saddest, <laughs> the saddest thing to think of. Like, no, no, thank you. I don't want to. I don't want to be involved in that. I only want to be involved in my dog living forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a necessary thing. And like yeah. they do love animals. They they love animals the most because they have to, you know, put up with all different kinds, not just friendly animals. And, you know, they're saving lives. But that is a portion of it. And so it yeah. takes a special person to be able to do that. And that special person is not me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you on that. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on. It was so nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, that was Danny Fernandez. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Ms. Danny Fernandez. And I am Lisa Curry. You can find me on Lisa underscore Curry on Twitter and at Olympian Lisa Curry on Instagram. Bye.